for our young people to be exposed to missions, to uh, see what God's doing in the rest of the world, not just our little house or our little community. So it's a, I know it's kind of a difficult thing but for, uh, to endure, but uh, this, this young man we're going to introduce, Dave Ogren here, is, uh, is a product of a youth gone bad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry. No, I, I, no. He and I share similar testimonies in that, you know, we, we did what we shouldn't do, got lost, in, and Jesus called us home very dynamically and supernaturally. Put his hand on our lives and said, this is, this is your time to walk with me. And, and fortunate for his grace that we were able to say yes. And so at the age of 17, uh, started serving the Lord and giving him all like we sang in these songs this morning. So powerful man, Dave Ogren. Uh, he and his wife Colleen live in Seattle. They've got a couple of boys, David and Ben. And uh, Ben is in Kansas City working with Phoenix University. And Dave is in Minneapolis with his family and the grandkids. Hallelujah. We love grandkids now that we have some. You know, they say if you knew how good the grandkids would be, you'd have skipped the kids going right to the grandkids. <laughs> but uh, Dave pastored for 35 years, four different churches, and pastored for 35 years and, and uh, has served the Lord faithfully and successfully in those churches and after successfully turning the last church over in Seattle to another man, God has called him to be the United States Director of International Russian Radio and Television. We call it IRRTV, which is going to change its name in the next year to uh, Great Commission Ministry or Great Commission Media Ministry and I'm getting used to that. So uh, he's come this morning to not just share with you about the ministry, but to also preach and share the Word of God with us. I want to say that Dave's a friend. And Dave, you're among friends this morning. Or would we all be willing to say Dave's a friend on a good recommendation? And so we're open to our friends speaking into our lives. And we want him to do that this morning. Um, we don't normally take up offerings, so I just want to insert this, that we do want to be supportive of these ministries when they come through. And so we normally use envelopes, put it in the wall, write an extra check. God lays on your heart to connect with the ministry that way financially. Would you just remember to do that before you leave? And then we'll make sure that that all gets to IRRTV. So uh, thanks for being here this morning. Let's give a friendly welcome to Pastor Dave Ogren. <laughs> Am I on? I'm on. You're on. Great. <laughs> well, it's good to be back, Big Bear. Um, I do consider myself a friend of this place. Um, I'd, I'd come just because Pastor Jeff and Pastor Rob are friends of mine. So it's an extra blessing to come and be able to minister too. So uh, it, it is wonderful. I, I travel all the time. I'm in a different church every Sunday somewhere. And so I'm, I'm gone two Sundays with a weekend between, and I'm home for a week, and then I leave Saturday again. So I'm never home on Sunday. Um, you know, and so I'm, I meet a lot of pastors and... and um, and go to a lot of wonderful churches, but I, I must say that that every once in a while you run across people that become dear friends, and and uh, and uh, Jeff and Peggy and Rob and Shannon have become certainly that for me, and so it's a joy to be here today in the sunshine. By the way, yeah. Yeah. Um, I uh, since August of two thousand seven. Uh, I have started to represent a ministry out of Finland full-time. It's kind of a long story, that part. I was on their board for eight years, U.S. They, they had 501c3 presence here in the United States, so they have to have a, bo- a U.S. board. Well, I was on their board. Not much activity here in the States. In fact, when I started, they said, we have no contacts for you, but go go for it, you know, kind of thing. And uh, um, so this is really IRTV. Most places... Where I go, they say, who, what? You know, because it's really unknown uh, virtually here in the United States. 
But IRTV is based out of Finland. Hanu Hauk is the founder of that ministry. He was a young man that grew up in Vancouver, British Columbia, so English is his, really his first language. Then he moved to Finland, went to Pentecostal Bible College in Finland. While he was there, took trips into Russia, met a young lady by the name of Laura. The nation captured his heart. She captured his heart. They ended up getting married in Russia, never knowing if he'd get her out of Russia into, into the West, which Finland is about far east as you can go and still be West. Um, it's right on the Russian border, thousand miles of border between Russia and Finland. Uh, but miraculously, he got her out in 1980. They're living in 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 Helsinki, Finland, and and in a little teeny tiny apartment, and and start doing radio broadcasts on cassette tape and giving it to shortwave radio stations. Uh, and 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 she was, of course, doing all the speaking at that point. She taught him Russian. He speaks now Russian without accent. And and so even Russians think he's from somewhere in Russia. They're not quite sure where. And and, um, and he speaks Finnish without accent as well. This guy is amazing with languages. Um, um, but but at first, of course, she was doing all the all the speaking on on the programming. It really didn't look like much of a ministry. And in five years, they had a staff about five. They were doing about twelve hundred hours a year on radio <clears throat> into Russia. And uh, met Pat Robertson, one of those connect things, you know, where you meet somebody and it's a kind of a God moment. And, and Pat said, you should be on television and I'm going to give you two brand new television cameras so you can start. That that was a huge gift. And and, and so he, he gave them two television cameras. They started doing television and uh, amazing story, you know, as far as how all that started and, and, and how God used that. Um. Um, well, long story short, they were given free television time in 1991 in Russia across all 11 time zones on the major Russian channel. Um, you know, Perestroika was the time of freedom. That's all changing now, by the way. Billy Graham Association, World Vision, uh, Bill, uh, Bruce Wilkinson's ministry, lots of ministries are quietly being pushed out of Russia. Uh, we haven't yet uh, been pushed out. Um, if we do, we'll go to Eastern Europe, Bulgaria, Romania, Lithuania, Estonia, lots of those Eastern European countries we haven't even touched yet just because we, we only have so many resources and, and, and so many people. We're a small ministry, really, for, for a media ministry. We've got 50 people worldwide. I, I'm the only U.S. guy. I'm, I'm full-time for them, but, I, but we don't have some spacious you know, office building or something here in the U.S., I work out of my, my family room and just travel. So like I said last night, we're kind of lean and mean, and hopefully not too mean, but we're lean for sure. Uh, we do have studios now in Helsinki, Finland, where we do radio and television regularly into Russia and Ukraine and, and Central Asia, Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan. That's daily programming into that part of the world. And then, and then uh, God's open door because of satellite now, Right from our studios in Helsinki, we can do we can do programming into China, make make our studio look like like a Chinese type place, and and have somebody speaking Mandarin and and preach the gospel right from Helsinki, Finland, into into China. Um, we we have a, a Middle East division of our ministry now. Two two guys from Egypt work for us from Egypt. They live in Helsinki, Finland, and they do all of our 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 Middle East broadcasting in Arabic and Farsi. And, and so forth, and, 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 and we have people from all over the world come and do programming for us in our studios because we do daily programming now. We preach the gospel every day into the Islamic world on five satellites. Uh, three of them are, are secular, uh, two of them are, are, are Christian satellites. Sat7 is one of them. You may have heard of Sat7. That's one of the satellites that we use. Um, and then we have six websites in the Arabic language and and um, they're all kind of a little bit different, just different enough so people go to those links. We get 1.5 million hits a month from the Islamic world. So there's huge hunger in that part of the world. God is doing an amazing thing in that part of the world, and we're, we're grateful that we can have a part of that. We can have a piece of that. By, by the way, we're one of many. Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful. Many wonderful ministries that are 
hitting the home run, reaching people for the gospel, and, and we're all working together. You know, it's not competitive, thank God. Um, 2003, uh, Hanu just kind of slipped into something that has been life-changing for our ministry. This little ministry, IRTV, is literally reaching thousands of people for Christ every month now because of what happened in 2003. He came across a concept. It was really a Campus Crusade for Christ concept in its original form. And um, basically what it is, is we go into mega cities, large cities, where we're invited by a significant group of churches. Oh, we're a little early. <laughs> so, we, um, so, so we go into these mega cities and gather the pastors that are going to work with us. They sign a contract with us saying they're going to do follow-up because we are not into simply propagating. We want to assimilate people into local churches. So, so, so we, we, we have these, um, these pastors gather. They make a long list of 100 of the best testimonies from their region. And then we bring that down to 26 of the best life stories from their region. So somebody who was on crack cocaine, marriage that was breaking up, maybe a sports figure or a politician or a religious figure in the city that's well-known or, or somebody on the police force or whatever, all kinds of... We had one guy who was a, who was a police officer um, high up in Kiev, Ukraine. Um, we had him on a 200-foot banner... Uh, billboard in the city of Kiev, Ukraine, with this big picture on it, you know, and 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 he was one of the testimonies. He was fired from his position because of giving his testimony and saying that he was committed to not taking money under the table, you know, and and, and so he was fired from his position. But there was so much pressure in the city of Kiev, Ukraine, against what they did that they actually rehired him. And, 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 and upped his position. <laughs> so pretty cool. Pretty cool. Lots of stories. I could tell stories all day, but I'm really not here to do just that. Um, you know, so, so we, after we get 26 life stories, our camera crews come in out of Finland and they do very professional documentaries, 15 minute documentary life stories. Once we have the 26 life stories and we purchase state television time on the strongest television station in the city, for primetime television. This is not 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> this is 7, 7.30 at night, right after the evening news. That's where we try to put it. And we can get it if we pay for it. And we pay for it. So uh, we get primetime television every night for a whole month. So every night, boom, there's a life story on television. Different life story every night on television. Proclaiming the power of the gospel. And by the way, most of these people have never heard that Jesus Christ changes people. They've heard about the, the Russian Orthodox Church. They know about religious Christianity. They know about form and ritual. They know about theology. But changing lives, they've never heard about that. So this is life transforming for people. It's amazing for them to hear that Jesus Christ actually breaks the power of sin. And sin is dominant in that part of the world today. 80% divorce rate. 40% of men are, are, are true alcoholics. 70% of young people are in some form of drug, drugs from marijuana all the way up. Not drug addicts, but using some form of drugs. So, so, so it's an imploding culture. And, and, and the mayors of these cities, when we come in, they say, they applaud it. Now when we go in, our name is nowhere on advertisement. It's all the local churches. You know, so it's not like IRTD, doo, 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 here we are. We're out of Finland. We're doing this big thing in your city. No, no, no. No, this is the local churches that are doing this. Okay? So, so once we have the life stories and got television time, then, <clears throat> then we begin to train people. We train 100 to 150 people from the local churches to man our call center. We have a 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week call center for the month when we're doing all this programming. Because at the end of the program, after these people demonstrate how they prayed to receive Christ, because these people, you know, these people have no idea how to pray to receive Jesus. So we have them demonstrate, this is how I prayed to receive Christ. They actually pray their prayer of how they receive Christ. So when that's done, there's a website and a phone number. That's it. At the end. We don't ask for money. We don't really preach. This isn't a church service. This is just a life story. That's all it is. Every night, every night, every night for a month. Then 
uh, after we get the call center set up, then we train a thousand people from the local churches to do home visitation. We print a book that is indigenous to every city. It's got ten of the t- testimonies from that city in the book. It's a ninety-seven page book, so it's got it's got testimonies, um, and then it's got uh, salvation and follow-up materials in. We'll print fifty thousand copies of that book for most of the cities that we go in, and then. Then we advertise 16 to 20 billboards, huge uh, posters that are put up at every subway and bus station, 12 to 1,600 of those. We'll do four to 500 radio and television spots on secular radio and television. There is no Christian radio, radio and television there. You know, so, so it's all on secular stations. Um, then then we, we, we do full-page newspaper ads, um, and, and then we do these little, little brochures. We'll print hundreds of thousands of these brochures. And each church takes a division of the city that they're responsible for. Okay? And the first thing they do is they prayer walk that area for two weeks. And they leave a brochure at every home. As they're prayer walking, as they go by every home, they pray for every home. And they leave a brochure that announces the event on television that's going to happen. And then it starts. And Nova Suburb, Siberia, this spring, um, we had 12,000 people call into our call centers. Immediately, that means 1,200 people come to Christ. We, we know that now since 2003. That in that part of the world, 10% of people who call in come to know Jesus. Almost immediately. Or at least within the three-visit concept that we use. The book, the first visit. Second visit is the Jesus video. Third visit, they're invited to a Christian concert in a secular location. So we use the three-visit process. You say, well, does it have lasting fruit? Yes. We talked to a pastor in Kiev, Ukraine. We did Kiev, Ukraine almost two years ago now. And we talked to a pastor just a couple months ago, Pastor Philip. Pastor's a church, Salvation Church in Kiev, Ukraine, and, and, and has about 2,000 people in his congregation. He informed us that this past year, they have averaged 60 conversions a Sunday. Over 3,000 people have come to Christ in his church this year, this last year. Wouldn't that be wonderful here? Hallelujah. 60th Sunday. Praise God. You know, so, so, so here it is. 60th Sunday come to Christ, 800 of which are now baptized in water and members of their church. He said, we did the follow up on these people and the vast majority of these people, the first contact they had with the gospel was what they saw on television. That's what drew them. That was the beginning point for them. And so it just warms our heart to know this isn't just about a month event. This goes on for weeks, months, years later. We're still seeing the fruit of what happened. In fact, the original story when we first went in in 1981, you know, did, did this television thing. We used Superbook, uh, put it in the Russian language, put it on television, didn't think anything about what was going to happen. In one month, we got one million letters into our little post office box. You know, Jim, if you had a post office box here in Big Bear and you got a million letters in one month, what would the post office say? They'd say, this is crazy. You know, right? Well, that's what happened. You know, but the end of the story is, Hanu told me just recently, we are still, still getting letters from people. This is 1991. We are still getting letters from people saying, we saw that program on television in 1991, and we have now become Christians. You know, and we're talking now all these 18 years later. You know, isn't that amazing? So, so, so the word of God does not, you know, uh, go forth void. It, it goes with power. Praise God. I'm talking way too long on this, but as you can tell, I get a little excited about. I am so thrilled to be this little teeny part of this ministry that's reaching so many people for Christ. And I have the privilege of doing this every Sunday, just going around, talking to people, sharing with people about IRTV. We've got brochures like this. This is the, this is November's, I think. Yeah, November's brochure. Um, if you'd like to receive information on a monthly basis, just sign up. We'll send it to you free charge. Uh, if you'd rather receive an email copy, don't put your address. Just put your email address down. And by the way, if some of you signed up last time you were here and... And for some reason, you didn't get it. Sign up again and put a star by your name so I know that happened. Okay, because every once in a while, you know, and, and 
I got a part-time secretary in Minnesota that does all this, so we, we're, we're just trying to track to make sure we're not missing people. So, okay, so, so feel free to sign up for that. We're going to show that now. All right, thank you. IRRTV Media Ministries has developed one of the most effective methods for evangelism in the 21st century, proclaiming the gospel to every home in the largest cities of Russia, Central Asia, Ukraine, and now even Israel, with powerful 30-day megacity media saturation evangelism campaigns. In the midst of ever-deteriorating conditions in these countries, Many of their citizens live in hopelessness and despair, suffering under the curse of alcoholism, drug abuse, rampant corruption, violence, family breakdown, and suicide. Before a city is targeted for evangelism by IRRTV ministries, the pastors and church leaders need to come together as one body, in one spirit, serving one Lord, in unity and prayer. To be successful, this type of campaign requires close cooperation with an army of volunteers from local churches in the city. Dramatic first-person stories about people whose lives were radically changed through a saving faith in Jesus Christ are the foundation upon which a megacity evangelism campaign is built. 15-minute docudrama-style television programs with moving testimonies from local Christians are aired each night of the week for 30 days on major TV channels in the city. Я сильно переживал разводженную, да, что сын растет, тем более что жена уже вышла замуж. Добрый вечер. С вами Андрей Матинга. The media evangelism campaign is not limited just to television. Evangelistic open-line radio programs are aired weekly, inviting listeners to dialogue about issues in their lives. Guests on the programs may include some of the very same people who are seen in the television programs, allowing listeners to know that these life-change stories are real. Full-size billboards are located throughout the city, with portraits of people from the same dramatic life stories, along with a call-in number for immediate counseling and prayer. The slogans on the billboards read, God destroyed the curse in our family. God freed me from heroin. Seeking riches almost destroyed me, but God saved my life. Jumbo video screens in many of the cities feature a 15-second ad declaring that God gives you the power to change. These are seen thousands of times during the 30-day evangelism campaigns. Tens of thousands of brochures and leaflets are delivered to homes by hundreds of volunteers from all the evangelical churches. All the programs and advertising in the campaign invite people to request a 100-page book that contains the best testimonies of people in that city who are changed by faith in Christ. 50,000 copies of these books are custom printed for each city. The books are distributed by believers to friends, neighbors, and at public events and services, as well as to those that call the counseling center. Hundreds of volunteers from all the churches in each city attend special training classes in preparation for the campaigns. Training is provided for pastors, phone counselors, and those involved in follow-up and visitation. Counselors behind the phones receive thousands of calls during the campaign. Thousands of people hungry to learn more about Jesus Christ in every city. Calls come in from all ages and all walks of life. Each caller is counseled on the phone and sent a campaign book with testimonies, the plan of salvation, and a guide to the first steps of faith in Jesus Christ. After 30 days, as the campaign wraps up in each city, a victory service is held and pastors share the successes they've witnessed firsthand during the 30 days of media evangelism. Leaders report how they have new cell groups and increased attendance in their churches as a result of the campaign. It's not unusual to even hear pastors share stories of people who are about to take their own life and instead committing their lives to Jesus Christ. Thousands of names and addresses collected during the campaign now need to be personally visited by church leaders. 
As the media portion of the outreach campaign comes to a close, the pastors and church leaders have opportunities for continued ministry as a direct result of the campaign conducted together with IRRTV. Follow-up from the campaign continues long after the billboards come down. And after the excitement of the media blitz has subsided, we see the churches continue working together, praying for, and reaching out to a lost generation in their city, not for the sake of their own denomination, but together for Jesus Christ. Seed sown in abundance during 30 days of saturating the media with the gospel continue to reap a bountiful harvest for years to come. Churches once persecuted and still under the watchful eye of state security have caught the vision that with God, all things are possible. As a direct result of these media campaigns throughout Russia and Central Asia, another ministry has been birthed by IRRTV. The dramatic circumstances of homeless children, as well as children in prison, is so great in the former Soviet Union that we couldn't turn a blind eye to their dire situation. For the past several years, IRRTV has been involved in a special outreach to children's prisons. Two to three hundred boys, aged 12 to 18, are serving sentences of up to eight years. The wardens of these heavily guarded prisons have told us that these boys need winter clothes, winter shoes, shirts, and underwear. But much more than this, these boys have never heard the words, I love you, from a mother or a father. Our message to these youngsters is, yes, somebody really cares and loves you. God loves you, and these gifts that we bring to you are a sign of God's love. And Jesus Christ can give you the power to change, and he gives you the power to start a brand new life. Who are these boys? They're some of the 18,000 boys and girls in 64 children's prison camps across Russia, rejected and forgotten by the outside world. They've never known the love of a mom or dad. They live behind concrete walls and barbed wire. They lack warm winter clothes and suffer from malnutrition. This Christmas, help IRRTV to deliver winter clothes, food, and God's love to Russia's children's prison camps. For these boys, there's no hope. They need a miracle. Your love is their miracle. Your gift of $20 feeds one child for two weeks. For $80, you can provide a child with warm winter clothes and a Christmas meal. Share Jesus Christ with a Russian child in prison through your love. Say, children in prison. Thanks. Most people wonder, why are these kids in prison? Well, there are three to four million street children in Russia. Most of them are abandoned kids because of the alcoholism, the, the broken family situation. So there's a lot of kids uh, ages 11, 12 years of age on up that are on the streets. They form gangs. They steal for food. Some kids are in prison. We've interviewed them. They, they're in prison because they stole bread. They're in prison for two years for that. Um, or two cell phones, same thing. Or up to murder where they're in prison for eight years and then some of them are actually sent to the adult prison after that. These prisons are maximum security prisons, these 64 prisons. We just kind of stumbled across them about seven years ago. The, the conditions are as bad as you can think. Some of these kids haven't had underwear for five years. Uh, the physical conditions are horrible. The sexual conditions are horrible. The, the food conditions are, are horrible. And so uh, it's, it's, it's a brutal culture, by the way, folks. It just is to their own people. They have been for centuries. Um, and so we started going in and providing, we, we have women's prisons in Russia that actually do marvelous sewing, and so we contract with them to sew most of this clothing because it all has to be uniform-type clothing. They all have to look the same. So we contract with them. They, they sew most of the clothing, um, and then we purchase from the region uh, where that particular prison is what we need, like underwear, socks, you know, the things that can't be sewn in prison. Um, and uh, we 
conservatively. This is a conservative number. The last seven years, we've invested about 400000 a year into this project. Because of our love for these kids, and, and we are the only international ministry that has access to these prisons, because of that, at first, that's all we could do was the humanitarian. Then they said, if you want to talk to the kids, you can talk to the kids. The picture you saw with kids kneeling, that was not some staged event. That was kids that were actually receiving Jesus in one of our meetings in prisons. So we're seeing hundreds of kids come to Christ now in prison. Now we've been able to take it to the next level that because of our influence, now local churches in each of these cities are having an opportunity to actually go in and mentor kids in prison. So that's as far as we've been able to go in the process. There's much more that needs to be done. The whole issue of halfway houses and orphanages and all of that for for teenage children is huge in that part of the world. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it, it's like a black hole. The need is so huge. But we're grateful that we're able to do what we are able to do and that we're able to be a part of reaching these kids for Christ. Praise God. Luke 21. This morning. Um, we're in Advent, that wonderful season of the year. I love Christmas time. I, 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 I love to preach during Christmas. This is a wonderful season of the year to do that. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I've often thought, I wonder, wonder if I would have believed in Jesus, you know, when he first came the first time. Anybody ever think of that, you know? Am, am I the only one that's ever thought that? A few of you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, you know, so, so, you know, the reality is, is that there were very few people that were actually looking for Jesus when he came in his first coming. I, I mean, you think, you know, there were the wise men, you know, who came from the east, and, and that's an amazing story all in itself. The, the, you know, the stinky shepherds, you know, where the angelic realm comes and blesses them with this amazing message, you know. It wasn't the religious crowd. Isn't that interesting? You know, uh, the angels didn't come to people in the, in the synagogue. It came, came to the shepherds out in the fields, you know. Uh, and, then, and then there were a couple people uh, in, in God's house, in the temple, that, that were looking, Simeon and Anna, they were looking, and, and, and Simeon actually had the privilege of holding Jesus and, and recognizing and saying, boy, I'm ready to die now. <laughs> I've just seen the Messiah, the one who was to come. So, so there were a few, but not that many. All right? And, and, and with the second coming of Christ as well, there is this awareness that we have that, that many people, including many Christians, are not looking for Him to come again. We believe in it, but we're really not looking for it. We're not really anticipating Jesus coming. And in Luke 21, Jesus says in verse 25, uh, New Living Translation, There will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and here on the earth the nations will be in turmoil. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth. Iran, North Korea, so forth. For the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, run for the hills! Is that what it says? No. It says, stand and look up! Amen. For your salvation, your salvation, not your judgment. When Jesus talks about His return, He doesn't say, alright, you're all under the judgment of God. No, no, no. He says, your salvation, your in some translations, it says your redemption is near. Say near. near. All right. So, so that is a very important concept here. Then he gave them uh, this illustration. Notice the fig tree. Fig tree. Fig tree was the source of sugar. It's how you made sweet bread. You know, uh, people like figs. You know, back, you, know, you like figs? I like figs, but I don't like dates. Anybody like that? I do not. I don't know why. Don't like this. All right. Notice the fig. <laughs> you notice how I digress so quickly. No, notice the fig tree or any other tree. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near. 
In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you could know that the kingdom of God is near. near. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Jesus is saying, hey, this is going to happen. Just like his first coming happened, you know, so his second coming is going to happen. And this word near is a very interesting word here. Because in the Greek, it really, you know, I mean, you all know what it means to something to be near so it's it's approaching something's getting closer it's it's not here yet but it's near you know you know if i was if i was if i was here i'd say i'm getting closer to pastor jeff right all right now if i'm right here i'm not getting closer i'm by him right and so this is not near but this is all right and that's what the scripture says it is Near, when you see these things begin to come to pass, know that it is near. Okay? And the atmosphere here is not trepidation and fear, but excitement, anticipation, expectation. Jesus is coming again. Amen? Amen. It's a wonderful thing. Now, this is actually a pregnancy term. All right? Near, a pregnancy term. And, and, and all you precious moms out there, my wife... I had three kids. I got four grandkids. My daughter in Seattle has got two kids. And then my son Dave's got two more kids, you know, and, 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 and he and his wife. And, 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 you know, wonderful. Pregnancy is a wonderful time. And, and my wife did really good. She was a great mom, raised our three kids, wonderful. I mean, that was her life, was, was our kids. Pregnancy was very special, precious time for her and precious time for us. But, but I would say more precious to her than it was to me. You know, obviously, I mean, some of you guys can relate to that. But, 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 you know, from gestation to, to birth, that, that marvelous process, that miraculous process of transformation and change that begins to happen, body begins to change, you begin to see, you know, things are, things are getting closer, things are getting closer, and it, and, and it gets exciting, and there is some trepidation, huh? Related to that, because of the unknown. And that, that's true for us as well in relationship to the coming of Christ. But it's a pregnancy term. In fact, in Romans 8, Paul makes this amazing statement in verse 22. All creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. Now, you know, look at these trees out here. You know, groaning? Yeah. Uh, how? I don't know. You know? But somehow, somehow the scripture says... That all of creation, even, even there's rocks out here, all of creation groans in expectation. The, the second coming of Christ is so crucial and so central and so important that even all of nature is kind of like waiting with bated breath, can't wait for Jesus to come again. Isn't that a neat thing? It's a wonderful thing. Matthew 24, Jesus gives us this great checkoff list. He says, there's going to be many false Christs and false prophets that will arise and will deceive many. Deceive many. So, what does that tell me? That tells me that one of the gifts of the Spirit we need desperately today is the gift of discernment. We need it. Because not everybody that looks good Sounds good, smells good, is good. And there's a lot out there. And I'm not naming names or, you know, I don't have an agenda here. But it's just, the reality is, is that God, oh God, give us discernment. My, my youngest son's 30 and he works for University of Phoenix and he's involved with music and great kid, single. Um, and, 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 and this has been his heart. It's been his heart. This issue of discernment. God, give me discernment. Help me, Lord, to discern right, wrong, evil, good, you know, and, and God's kept him. And I think that a part of it is because he's had that prayer desire that he would not be fooled. You know, and I think we need to pray for that today. Uh, it's interesting, Jesus talks about wars, famines, pestilence, earthquakes will increase, and these will be what? What is he called? The first birth pangs. Huh? Pregnancy. First birth pangs. Okay? Lawlessness will abound. Okay, don't expect that the world's going to get better and better. 
more peaceful, everything's going to be more wonderful. No, no, no. Lawlessness will abound. The love of many will, ooh, wow, Lord, help us. The love of many will, what? Grow cold. This is not a time to put things in neutral and say, hey, we're, we're, we're just going to kind of slide into the kingdom. No, this is a time to press in to God as never before. The closer we get to the return of Christ, there's going to be more spiritual warfare against you to go back to the world, to go back to sin, to go back to darkness. You need to press in and say, I'm not going there. I am not going there. I am not going to grow cold. The gospel will be preached as a witness to all nations. Isn't that wonderful? And our little ministry has a little part of that with all kinds of other ministries too. Great tribulation. By the way, some of you are saying, well, I'm not going to go through the tribulation. Well, you know, some are already, by the way. Thousands of people all over the world are right now going through the great tribulation. They are suffering as much as you could suffer for the name of Jesus. And so, hey, you know, we may, may not. I don't have an agenda on that. You may be pre-trib or mid or post or amillennial. I, you know, I've got friends in all four camps and they all base it on scripture. And I think one of the reasons is that it's like a puzzle and God's kind of kept a couple of the pieces out <laughs> on purpose. And so we don't quite see the whole picture yet, but that's okay. But it's good that you have your position. Just don't be dogmatic. All right. So, so Jesus will be, I, a good friend of mine said this, you need to stand somewhere to look at anything. So when it comes to the scripture, you need to stand somewhere. You need to, your position is important. Just make sure you're not standing in wet concrete. That's what he said. I thought that was great. You know, <laughs> because your position may change as time goes on. There are biblical absolutes that will never change, but there's lots of other stuff that we just, you know, we see in a mirror dimly, right? We don't see everything clearly, 1 Corinthians 13. So, <clears throat> I don't know if, if Paul was pre-trib or mid-trib or amillennial or post-trib. I, I don't really know what his position was. But I do know that he had a nearer theology. He had this nearer theology, this idea that every day, every day. Listen, Romans 13, he's talking about love, how it's important that we love one another. Romans 13, verse 12, what does he say? He says, our salvation, this is the motivation for, for my loving Pastor Jeff, you know, that it's because my salvation is nearer than it was when I first believed. Do you know the coming of Christ is nearer than when you got up this morning and had your morning coffee? It's nearer right now. It's nearer now than it was then. We are every minute getting closer and closer and closer to the coming of Jesus Christ. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that wonderful? All right. So, so that's the thrilling thing. And we see this near theology all through the New Testament. First Corinthians 16, you know, Paul says, Oh Lord, come, Maranatha. And it's totally out of context. It says he's closing the book of 1 Corinthians and it really isn't, doesn't connect to anything. It's almost like he's just kind of mumbling it under his breath. Why? Because it was so a part of the fabric of who he was. This reality, Jesus Christ is coming again. They lived with a sense of imminence. 2 Timothy 4, that Jesus is literally eagerly looking for those. Uh, he is coming for those who are eagerly looking forward to his return. Second Timothy 4, 6-8. John says, 1 John chapter 3. All who have this eager expectation in them, purify themselves, even as he is pure. So, so John says, what is the motivation for holiness? To sanctification, as Ed was talking about earlier. What motivates us? It's the return of Christ. It's because we know that Jesus literally is coming again. So... This whole issue of the return of Christ was not a theological statement for them. It was a transformational reality. It changed how they lived. It changed how they treated each other. It changed how they looked at the world. It changed what was important in life. It impacted them. I think many of them got up every morning with the breath of Maranatha on their lips. Oh, Lord, come. I think they lived in that context, that reality, Jesus Christ is coming again. Now, for you and for me, for all of us here today, <coughs> you believe in the return of Christ. Okay, let's, let's try. How many believe that Jesus is coming again? Okay, yeah. 
Yeah, so, so, so we got our theology straight. Okay? Alright? But, if I was, and I'm not going to because this isn't, uh, uh, <laughs> more spiritual than you are. So I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand on this. But, but, but for many of us, for many of us, our problem isn't our theology. Our problem is we get distracted. I mean, really, relate to that. We get distracted. We get busy with life. Little stuff, little stuff bothers us, consumes our thoughts. You know, we just get all tied up with stupid stuff. And it just, it just, it just, just takes control of our lives. And we hardly ever, and could I say, you know, this is broad brush, but for some of us, we love Jesus, we believe in the return of Christ, but we never think about it. Never. We never think, it, it never comes through our mind during our week. It's not like, oh Lord, come. That doesn't, that isn't even on the radar. You know? Maybe, maybe discipleship's on the radar. Maybe following Jesus is on the radar. Maybe, maybe trying to live a good Christian life is on the radar. Those things are probably on the radar. But, but the motivation for all that isn't even on the radar. The, the wonderful, exuberant, happy thought Jesus is coming again. Yeah. Is it on the radar? And that's what this miss. And I want us here this morning. And this isn't just about you. It's about Dave Ogren as well. Because Dave Ogren is just as much distracted as anybody else. I get distracted by ministry. I get distracted by all kinds of stuff. And, 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 and I can lose sight of this motivating factor that will transform how you live as a Christian. You say, oh, God, why am I not doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Guess what? The return of Christ is somewhere in that mix. Okay? So, if distraction is the problem, you know, I mean, I was at the airport in Grand Rapids over Super Bowl weekend last year and, and uh, uh, met this guy and we were both picking up our luggage. And he said, well, who are you going for Super Bowl? And he said, well, it depends what you're talking about. In my heart, I'm going for Arizona, but in my pocketbook, I'm going for Pittsburgh. <laughs> and, and, and you know, there were $3 billion last year when, you know, most everybody's 401ks dropped 40, 50%. And, 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 and businesses, you know, unemployment going like crazy up through the roof and, 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 and everybody's, you know, saving is going through the floor and, and, you know, $3 billion. You know, how distracted can we get? You know, we, we can get very distracted. Um, and, and, and so we need to come back to this reality. Um, I, I'm just going to kind of wrap this this morning. I'm, it's t- 10 after 11 and I, I don't want to be too late here. Um, but I want to close this morning with, um, with I, I want you to hear that Jesus had a nearer theology in his own life. These aren't four more points. These are just four scriptures. I'm going to share them real quick for you this morning. But I want you to hear passion. I want you to hear focus. I want you to hear purpose in his words. He knew he only had three years for ministry. Pastor Jeff and I were talking about it this morning because he heard this message last night. And, and, and we were talking about this this morning. And, and you know, it, it is amazing to me that with the busyness of his schedule, he didn't run around like a chicken with his head cut off. I don't have time people. Ah, I got so much to do. Get out of my way. No, it, it wasn't like that. I mean, he'd sit by the well, talk to people. He'd go, go for dinner with people. But, but, but all of that was a part of purpose, see? Purpose. He lived a purposeful life. He didn't just do stuff because he knew he had limited time. How many know you have limited time? You know? Limited time. You know, Matthew, how old are you? 13, okay. Okay. You know, when I was 13, you know, 
look at a guy like me, 60 years old, and you think, man, he's got, already got one foot on the banana peel. You know? Isn't that right? When you were 13, you thought that? But anybody 60, you think, oh, my goodness. Well, if he goes to heaven, that's okay. I mean, he's lived a full life. Get out! <laughs> you know, isn't it right? But, but how quickly those years pass, and all of a sudden, not 13, I'm 60, almost 61 in January. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, where'd those years go? And the fact is, we don't know when Jesus is coming back, and we don't know how much time we have. My dad died when he was 33. So I've always lived with that awareness that life is not always long. Always live with that. Listen to Jesus. Luke 2.49. I must, I must. Hear that, passion? I must be about what? My father's business. Okay? John 9.4. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. I don't have so much time. I must be about my father's business. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when I can't put it off. You know, distraction, distraction, distraction. We get distracted by life. We get distracted by busyness. We get, we, we put the focus on the wrong area. How many of you ever, as a couple, had an argument? Ever, 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 never, never? never? Oh. Hallelujah. I see the halos. Don't you? Don't you see the halos this morning? Yeah. Okay. You know, so, 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 you know, all of us have been married. I've been married in February, 38 years for us. And, and, and you know, I have a, where is she? Miracleine. Here she is. There she is. Isn't she beautiful? Yeah. Yeah. 38 years. Just talked to her this morning. Talked every morning, every night. And by the way, I am home some every other week. I'm home, you know, for a while. So praise God for that. But, but you know, how many of you, after an argument, said that was so stupid? Huh? Why did we even argue about that? It, do, it really doesn't make any difference. And by the way, three wonderful sentences you should never forget. I was wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Okay, those are... Okay, let's do it. Say it with me. I was wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? For some of you, it's the first time you ever said that. Right. You, you've never been wrong. Right. Oh, somebody. Oh, oh I'm, I'm moving on quickly. Okay, okay. All right, I'm starting to get into uh, deep water here. Okay, John four thirty four. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Finish His work. That's my food. Luke four forty three. I must preach the kingdom to other cities. Because for this purpose I have come. He was speaking in Capernaum. Capernaum loved Jesus. Did a lot of miracles in Jesus in, in, in Capernaum. Preached there a lot. Had a lot of friends in Capernaum. But he said, hey, I can't, I can't just hang out here. Be easy to do that. But I can't do it. Because God has called me to other cities for this purpose. You see, sometimes we stay doing what we're doing because it's comfortable. We get a Paycheck, because, because, you know, but we know this isn't what God has called us to. I'm always careful when I say that, because my, my goodness, you know, you know I, I know you can think, okay, well, he thinks I should go to the mission field, or he thinks I should become a pastor, or, or, or no, no, I don't think that at all. I think, that, I, I said last night, I say it again, you know, I think there are some people on the mission field that are there out of guilt, or out of the sense that they're there because they're so spiritual by going to the mission field. And God says, hey, what are you doing there? I didn't call you there. I called you to work for Microsoft. You know? That was supposed to be your mission field. And here you're over in Africa, you know, and, 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 and nothing seems to be working right because you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that's not what I called you to do. You see, life is not about what's spiritual and what's secular. Life is about discovering what God has called you to do and do it with all your heart. If God has called you to be a plumber, be the best plumber in, in Big Bear. If God has called you to be an electrician, or if God has called you to be a homemaker, or if God has called you to, uh, to, to have a, a daycare, or whatever God has called you to do, do it with all your heart. But discover what it is God has for you to do. Because it is important that you are about your father's business. 
It is important that you work the works of Him who sent you while it is day because the night is come. Don't put it off. Don't say, okay, well, I'll do that later because procrastination will keep you from the will of God. Don't say, well, I've got other food to eat right now. Make the will of God the food that God has called you to eat. And discover God's purpose in your life. I close with this this morning. And, and this is it's kind of the passion of my life. In, in a positive way, this haunts me. It, it, it kind of is something that literally is in the back of my mind on a regular basis. I know that one day Dave Ogren's going to stand before Jesus. I know that. And it's going to be before I know it. Even if, I, if God grants me to live to be 85 or whatever, I know it's going to be just boom like that. I know that. And when I stand before Jesus, the only thing that's going to be important is not that Pastor Rob said, Oh, Dave, that was such a wonderful message. Who cares? Right? It's not going to make any difference. Who thought what about Dave Ogren? The impression I made. The, the kind of presence I tried to create with people. You know, you can fool people. They can think you are this and that, and you are not this and that. Man, I've seen that through the years. The only thing that's going to matter is that when you stand before Jesus, that Jesus looks at you and he says to you, Rob, God bless you, brother. You were good and you were faithful. You did what I called you to do. It's the only thing that's going to make any difference. It's not going to make any difference what people thought. It's not going to make, make, make any difference how much money I had in my bank account or what kind of car I drove or what kind of house I lived in or or any of that. None of that's going to make any difference. The only thing that's going to make any difference is that Jesus looks in Dave Ogren's eyes and says, well done, good and faithful. No, notice it doesn't say perfect. How many are glad? <laughs> I stumble over my shoelaces every day. And God is not concerned about you making mistakes or, or, or doing things wrong and needed to you know, back up and start over again. He is interested in your being good, which speaks of character. God is more interested in character than he is a lot of things <laughs> that we say are important. Are you honest? Keep your word. Love your spouse. Love your kids. Love your grandkids. Treat the person at the gas station right. Treat the person at the airline counter right where you just hear that your plane was just, you know, you got to wait three, three more hours. I remember one night I, flew, I was flying from New York and I, I landed in Chicago and they says, oh, well, we are so sorry, Mr. Ogren, but you're going to have to stay all night here on a cot. On, on a cot. <laughs> and there was this huge room at O'Hare Airport. You know, dim the lights and there's hundreds of people on these military cots. And I thought, man, this is kind of fun. <laughs> You know, why get upset? Might as well enjoy the ride, right? You know? But so often, we are not good at that moment. God has called you to be good. And He's called you to be faithful. Not perfect, but faithful. Faithful to what? Faithful to what He's called you to do. Faithful to His purpose. Just like Jesus, I must. I must. I must. What must you be doing right now? You know? Retired pastor, bless your heart. You know? What must you be doing right now? What must I be doing at 60, almost 61? What must Matthew be doing at 13? What must, what must you be doing right now? If you'll go to prayer on it, if you'll seek God faithfully, He'll show you it may cost you your security. It may cost you something that you hold dear. 
It may cost you, you know, something that's important to you. But in the end, he'll say, oh God, I am so glad. I didn't just do my thing, but I figured it out. And you say, you know what? You're too late, Dave. I've lived my life. Now I'm an old guy. I'm an old dog now. It's too late for me. No, it's not. You know why? Because the grace of God <laughs> would say to you today, hey, it isn't too late. Step in today. Step in. Step into the will of God today, whatever it is. It's not what it would have been 20 years ago, but God has a plan for you right now. Just do it today. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, today I thank you for these precious people. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the pastors of this church. Thank you you have an agenda for this house. In this area, this mountainous area, beautiful area of the country, you have an agenda for them that I believe is wonderful. I believe you have plans and purposes for this house to reach people in this region. This is going to be a regional church. Not just Big Bear, but a regional church. We believe God just put that in my heart this morning. And it's only the beginning. I know you've gone through some tough times, but it's only the beginning. Don't lose heart. Remember, this is a season of great joy. <laughs> Praise God. Father, I pray for every person within the sound of my voice this morning. We don't want to miss out on what you've intended by busyness, by security, by because it's just easy to do what we're doing now. We want to do your will. We want to be what you've called us to be. We want to be willing to step out of the boat when you want us to step out of the boat. We want to be willing to do what you've called us to do, whatever it would cost us. And I pray for people right here this morning that you would cause them to say to you today, Jesus, may your will be done in my life on earth as it's already written in heaven. I don't want to miss out on that. I want to do that. If that's your heart, you may be a brand new Christian. You may be just coming to Christ. You may be saved 50 years. But if you're saying, I want God's will done in my life on earth as it is in heaven so that when Jesus comes again, I will be doing what he's called me to do. If that's your heart, just raise your hand to the Lord. It's not to me. It has nothing to do with Dave Ogren. It's just between you and God saying, Jesus, here I am. Take my life. Use me. Help me to fulfill your plan and purpose. In Jesus' name. Lord, as we lift our hands to you and I lift my hand along with everybody else, show us, speak to us, guide us, Direct us. We yield to you. And Lord, I pray you will help us to be reminded by your Holy Spirit on a regular basis. It's nearer. Bring that back to us over and over and over again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor. Well, if you have the opportunity this afternoon, it's in the bulletin. It's uh, it's on the walls about the case.